Lend me thine ears this fair day, as I regale thee with a tale in my lay. Never-ending adventure is the name we bear, a podcast of wonder in tales rare. In this episode, let us journey afar to lands unknown where adventures star. Ignition Point beckons a fiery domain, where heroes brave and valiantly sustain. Together we shall delve into their tale of flames and friendship that shall never fail. Join us on this podcast as we unfold the saga of Ignition Point so bold. So gather around you listeners, one and all, for never-ending adventure shall enthrall. Let thy imagination soar with delight as we embark on this wondrous endless flight. Woo! Yeah! Oh, yeah! All right! Wow, that guy's so Look at him! Oh, man! That was my uh, Shakespearean sonnet intro. If you we will. are, we are artists, thespians, Ned, Artis my boy. Thespians. I can't. I, I have no Shakespearean accent, man. There, <laughs> there's no way I could have done. Mine just anything, gets very anywhere like, near that. Yeah, young Englishman. A little nasally. A little yeah. nasally. I get it. I didn't well, go Cockney on this one or anything like that. No, and also the idea of being able to regionally display like a certain tone in my voice seems so silly to me. <laughs> like <laughs> yes, my true. English accent goes Scottish very fast and then it goes Australian and then it's back to Irish. And it's like, what, what is even <laughs> happening? Why, why, are we we why am I doing this? Dubai. <laughs> Dubai. Uh, well, welcome you, everybody. Yeah. Welcome. We are obviously talking about Ignition Point, another FP episode. <laughs> yes. If it wasn't if obvious, it wasn't obvious enough. I hope so. Well, it's intro. within this Shakespearean weird sonnet thing that I yes. said. So, you know, if you didn't pick up on it, then that is what we are talking about. Yeah, we got we got some Hamlet references, even though they're. I don't think it's directly expressed as that. They may say something about Shakespeare at some point in this episode. It's, I don't it's, recall. It's for sure like referenced in this episode in two points specifically. One is when they're in the the ducks of the Fire Kingdom. And you hear a guy actually reciting Hamlet in the background. Mm, and then the second one mm-hmm. is when Jake's like, hey, we're going to look at the audience and look at their reaction. He goes, yep, that was my idea. Totally original. And you're totally like, original. okay. So yeah. the, the writers were like, okay, we're ripping off of Hamlet little, little, well, you know, run around here. That makes me so curious. So it's one of my favorite moments of this episode is when they're in the air vents and you hear the guy say, I seem to be saying a lot about a super secret plan or our super secret plan. So he just gives it away. Like, it's just <laughs> like, hmm, kind of self-aware. And I'm just like talking a lot. And by the way, I did just say our entire plan out, like we screamed it essentially. And someone like three rooms away heard it through the <laughs> air vents. <laughs> yeah, they obviously, and you know how far they climbed down the air. I don't know if they just like left the room or whatever, but they climbed down a lot of air vents and like could not see where the voice was coming from. Did you ever as a kid like imagine yourself being a spy or being in Codename Kids Next Door and you're like, for whatever reason, have to get in the air vents in some room or some like building or something? I, I totally did that as a kid. I, well, okay, I played spy a lot. Or played, you know, spy adventurer. Never. That was always usually outside. 
You I never always like, crawled in air ducts. You never did that. I never have crawled in. I don't think I've ever. I was going to say, don't. Duct. No, no, there's no way. I don't think anyone ever actually did. But as a kid, I was like, man, how sick would it be? I could totally do it. I I could definitely crawl into the ceiling and go through the air ducts to get into. No, I always didn't want to go to school. I wanted to push up the little panels and get in the ceiling and like pull pranks on people. But that's like, okay. you know, that's probably the more realistic version of that. Yeah. Well, I think about that nowadays and I'm like, dude, my claustrophobia, there's no way, no way. I would be able to do like that tight space. Oh, just the <laughs> idea of it is cringy to me nowadays. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, I mean, it was romanticized by Die Hard for sure. Yeah, no doubt. But <laughs> yeah, there there are a couple of things that, and it's like, and anyways, like, dude, people, I've been going through a couple of rabbit holes, not to go on a tangent, but there are a few rabbit holes on TikTok that like kill me that I've been going down. And one of them are people that are like, crawling and practically getting stuck in caves like while they're oh, caving. No, 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 no. That's that's worse. That's in my opinion, that's worse than air ducts. Oh, that's oh, uh, the spelunking guys. No, no. Yes. No. Yeah, dude. And I'm they got a freaking tank of oxygen they're carrying with them. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, I've been obsessed ever since last night. All I can do is think about this. I mean, it's the only thing that I thought about this whole day of work. The freaking people that climb Mount Everest and there's a section of Mount Everest called the death zone. And it's at like 8,000 feet. And if you yeah. die there, you get tired, you pass out. They oh, just they have just to leave, leave you. you. Yeah, they just yeah. leave you. And that if you're there up on with my a TikTok guide, a lot this week too. Dude, if you paid, say you paid $4,000 to $30,000 in order to go climb Mount Everest with a guide, that guide sees this happening and he goes, this is dangerous. We're in a bad situation. I'm leaving you. Like he's not gonna mm -hmm. wait for you. There, he's not. He can't carry you out. No, it's, it's just it's like, one of those things. It's like if if one person is the like is like i guess you know dead like it's that point of like honestly we're all gonna die if we have to like drag your ass up and down the mountain at this point even if there's like an avalanche the dude's bailing he's gone mm -hmm. so i'm i looked to ali and i said we're never doing that right like nope you're not gonna make me <laughs> climb no, no, Everest, no right? desire in my heart wants <laughs> to do that I, I, it's cool it's, it became I'll so watch real people dude. do it <laughs> it became so real it became so real old. i was like we were planning this all of a sudden. I was like, man, I mean, I guess we got to do it. No, no, I'm not doing it. 4% chance of dying. A 4% chance of dying. Jeez, if you that's, yeah, that's high. Complete Mount Everest. That's crazy. I so want to know the percent chance of dying pass. every time I get on 285 in Atlanta. Oh, I'm sure it's it's not nothing. <laughs> it's not nothing. <laughs> I know that. I mean, all right. Shoot. Well, we don't tangent yeah. at all on the podcast. No, but gosh, that was a tangent. I'm sorry, y'all. Yes, we got into the ducks because we got into the Hamlet, and we're going to get more into Hamlet too, for sure. But yeah, I want to open. I would love on, to go through Hamlet, man. Uh, we will, we will. I just I want to make sure that we don't kind of miss the the more peaceful part of this episode that I think is is very fun to observe is the beginning because it's like you can talk about it, it's done. There's no like deeper thoughts behind it. It includes my uh, quote unquote Jake mistake of the episode, but. We enter in on Flame Princess's little uh, Boom Boom Mountain Marauder New House Kingdom, whatever we want yeah. to call it. Um, and I just love that they are farting and burping into Easy Mart bags or Squeezy Mart bags because also we know the Squeezy Mart from when LSP was wearing her Squeezy Mart dress. Um, and, yes, also, and then also the dream uh, when what's his name blew up in front of yeah Jake. was I was wondering was that the squeezy mart as well I believe so okay I believe so and then I love again 
this is kind of that good full circular canon. We're we're doing callbacks now at this point, yeah. which I'll like be doing lot. callbacks. They got the magic air, bro. They got farting and burping in the balloons, mm-hmm. and she's loving it. I I wonder their concept, their knowledge or awareness of what farts and burps actually are, like how far that reaches. Are, they don't go to school, right? I mean, they're not properly schooled in any way. Any learning I would they imagine do is, they're schooled in farts more than many other things. Many other things, but but not in like what it actually comes from or what actually, like magic air yeah. is what they keep saying, right? And I need my candles to cut through the magic air or the scented candles to cut through the magic that, air. No, that's flame princess because like, they probably, I mean, I, up. you know, girls don't fart either. So, oh well, yeah, of course. Of course <laughs> and not. she's been locked up. Oh well, yeah, we'll we'll put that in there. there too. Well, here's here's a query I have for you, Ned. Okay. And I got really curious about this. Does the floating gas tell us anything about the Earth's air pressure post the or really Earth's air in general post mushroom war? And how can mm. it inform the way that we view uh, Finn's incredible acrobatic abilities? and the growth of massive creatures on Earth since then. That's a good, I mean, it's a good thought because what was it? I think in an episode ago, we talked about the factor of like the change in the Earth atmosphere with higher densities of oxygen. And that's why creatures can get bigger and plants can get bigger and why fin's so strong. And so I have no idea. This is my non-scientific take. I don't don't know. Well, if, if you have a higher level of oxygen, you know, obviously like helium and, and hot air yeah, is lighter. Let's, let's break this than, down. I love it. No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good breakdown because it supports, again, our theoretically speaking, just from last week. Totally, totally. I just, of, I'm just laughing at us not being scientific people. No, but you know, zero bit, like, like don't be, yeah, be yeah. like, don't, don't go home to your parents and be like, I learned so much about science today on the Never an Individual Podcast. <laughs> the oxygen levels of... The land of Ur, incredible. Uh, now, well, I don't know if right is lighter than air, so we do know is. that it is. Uh, Methane is lighter than oxygen, and but our but, but to rise at that rate, dude, to rise yeah. fast enough or extreme enough to a little fart or a little burp can fill up a, a you mm-hmm. know an entire bag, and it's, then well, here would be my know, thought about it too, because our our up. atmosphere is mostly nitrogen with what fourteen to twenty percent oxygen or something like that. Sure. Um, that if it is an oxygen-rich new ooh that we're living in and that they are hypothetically farting out methane gas, if you had a 100% oxygen chamber, is methane significantly lighter than oxygen versus nitrogen? That That's the uh, only thing I can say that actually is legitimately not scientific, it's just but not, not enough. It's just not enough, right? I mean, like, obviously, like, your gas, your flatulence, it, it floats, it it. Uh, rises is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not enough. But like, not the way. air is not thick enough to where the density would cause that quick or that aggressive of a separation. And I don't think it would truly like yield any results as far as like Finn's incredible acrobatic abilities. I was just like curious if there was something there. I ended up on r dash ask science, the Reddit. <laughs> and um, oh there, dear, there was a a great question posed and I didn't read past the question. Well, I did read past the question, but it was way too <laughs> ridiculous. It was like this conversation we're having, but with people that actually like studied science in, in college. Um, if flatulence is lighter than air, do we gain weight when you pass gas? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that is, that's great. That is a good I question. Mean, I mean, in theory, 
Absolutely, yes. It's all there. It seems like it. <laughs> seems as if that would be so, but <laughs> yeah. Well, very, very interesting. A great a micro, intro a micro to pound. this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, needless, a really good intro. Needless to say, of all, I, I love that because I love just getting into our old theoretically speakings and and getting new knowledge or situations that support our old ones. I like calling that out, but I just liked calling at the beginning of this episode because it gives you that good vibe, the good. Um, I don't know, just green field, a, a right? Good, good feel moment. good episode. But yeah. the big thing, and in terms of what I'm, my Jake mistake segment every episode, but this one's a Finn mistake, man. We get to this moment, farting around, Flambo's under a rock. Again, I've got a whole different segment about Flambo today, but we get flame shielded. Finn gets flame shielded for the first time. Jake's the only one who's been there so far. And bro, he's been hugging him like he's been hugging Flame Princess wrapped in tinfoil like a burrito. He has been burning his lips or doing what the second he gets flame shielded, he, oh, he doesn't go and like her. hug and kiss her and <laughs> oh, like, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. heck, man? Like that <laughs> totally. an, initial reaction. Why would you not be like, thank God Flambo's around? I can finally hold hands with my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, no. Get doubt. to tier two, baby. Get this tier two, tier fifteen, or what is it? <laughs> not, not fifteen, not fifteen. Sorry, what is the tier? Tier eight. Yeah, uh, you can feel all ten feet of her luxurious stomach. That's what I was trying to refer to. But fifteen is all the way, or, or something like that. Yeah, uh, you just don't want to go to tier fifteen. I'm sorry, I, <laughs> I jumped the gun a good bit. <laughs> oh man, that's great. That's so interesting. I didn't even think about that. Obviously, he's missing out on the biggest opportunity he's ever had. Because mm-hmm. we probably they don't find Flambo all the all the time. I'm no, sure no, no. he's just kind of hanging it's been around. A while. Mm, um, and he's usually is good. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird. I'm trying to always. I've got no. You know what? I'm going to save that for some deeper theoretical speaking yeah. later with Flambo. I think. Well, it's interesting they use it because obviously she wanted to have uh, the candles that cut through the farts or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. she doesn't want to go back to the Flank Kingdom. So Finn and Jake go back. And they go and they steal the candles essentially from a room and get into her bedroom like way too easily, like sneak past some guards. <laughs> they don't even glance over their shoulder to see, oh, what was that? And they make a comment about the candle smelling, or at least Jade does, smelling like grandmother uh, or I guess mm-hmm. his grandmother's house or something like that. I thought yeah. that was such an interesting comment because I can, without a doubt, there are two houses in my life that I can imagine what they smell like and the Mm -hmm. two are my grandmother and then my great grandmother's house from you know years ago uh, you know 15 years ago now probably more than that when before she passed away and i could like every now and then uh, a scent will just remind me of my great grandmother's house or Mm -hmm. my grandmother's house it's it's crazy how that is so yeah i I just totally knew exactly what jake was talking about and i'm like that's not a bad smell i like that smell yeah, it's it is a distinct old people smell. An old, it's kind of like musty uh, clothes slash like blankets slash comforters that haven't been turned in two years, mixed with moth. Mine, mine was like mothballs, potpourri, and dial soap was like mm-hmm. what my grandma's house smelled like, and I can remember it like distinctly <laughs> what her bathroom smelled like. Interesting. Yeah, my my grandmother very much lived over the river and through the woods, sort of a scenario in South Carolina. 
and she had a very small, we used to call it a farm. So a ton of, you know, black and brown Labrador retrievers, some goats, horse, donkey. Oh gosh. Just a really just smell a like shit random. All the time? No, it just smelled like dogs, but like a good dog <laughs> smell. And like I never was repulsed by it. And even when I go to visit her nowadays, I'm like, oh yeah, it's grandma's house. It doesn't smell bad. Some people's dog house or houses that smell like their dogs, and it's just like, dude, they have no idea they're living in this smell. But for some reason, grandma's dog house smell is it's it's pleasant. It, yeah. it just it's nice. Nostalgia factor, and Jake hits on that. Jake gets gets the nostalgia bug in him. Yeah, he does. But it's interesting. I I I saw a note. I can't remember if it was on a Reddit thread or something like that too. About candles in the Fire Kingdom seems a little bit redundant, um, except for maybe the smell, because you could imagine that it's sulfur, burning sulfur as well, which smells like farts anyway, um, and why you'd have candles to cut through the smell. But they'd have to be insane candles to not melt all the time in the Fire Kingdom. I'm very curious about how fire people become fire people, right? Oh, I mean, I've got a, I've got are, a good deep thought about that. If you want to get into that, yeah, I would love to. I mean, there are flames that we see. I mean, at the end of this episode is a great example of this. You have the candle sitting next to Flame Princess. She is a flame, in a sense, mm-hmm. and the candles have a flame on top of them, and they are not people they're just flames and then out of nowhere the king takes over with his spirit or something yeah he's he's the through the fire and the flames he'll carry on you know oh my freaking (laughs) gosh (laughs) get that dragon force reference get the dragon force out of here man no that was I, i was thinking about the fire kingdom because this episode made me first think about not wasn't thinking about fire king it wasn't thinking about flame princess it was like when they were going through the ducks and when they were in the hallway doing the fake portrait bit, that these people are just as silly and goofy and doing nonsensical things as the candy people are. So yeah, despite them backwards being backwards down the hallway, yeah, uh, <laughs> eating cake and measuring it, doing the U, U, W, there, it either seems like they're bored or in my deeper thought of it, it's that anybody who's royalty. Flame King, Flame Princess, and even the two nephews, all right? So Flame King and the two nephews, they're in like suits of armor, right? They're like flames in suits of armor. Everyone else in the in the Fire Kingdom you see is attached to some sort of rock or volcano or, you, you know, there's some sort of embodiment of something that's burning. And so my hmm. really like theoretically speaking is that the Flame King being the flame elemental, which that that's for like season eight, but he's a flame elemental and kind of how Princess Bubblegum brings life to candy. I think he brings life to things that can burn, but that everything in the fire kingdom, the fire elemental is essentially, it's kind of like their living essence at that point. Um, So only the royalty, only the bloodline of the true kingdom is true fire. Everything else is a living embodiment of something charcoal and volcano and ash and whatever burning. I don't know. Is that, is wow, that crazy? Like that. Is that crazy to think about? No, I, I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I think it's even, you could take it a step further and compare the two kingdoms, the candy kingdom and the fire kingdom and go, why is it that all of the people in the fire kingdom that we have seen so far, and also all of the main candy people are so content. They're so 
happy with mm-hmm. their status. They're like, man, we're putting on a play. It's awesome. Like we're we're the troop that does that thing. And then the the coal pieces or whatever they are that are walking backwards are just like, man, snack time. Hell yeah. Gotta go get our <laughs> snacks. You know, like it is it's interesting the complacency and just like how happy they are. And maybe they are created by the flame king, despite the fact that they're all evil. And maybe that's why when you're royalty, you have to wear armor. You have to always kind of be on guard because you get snuffed out like the uncle was or mm-hmm. the brother of the Flame King was by his own brother and the uh, father of our two nefer- nefarious, you know, what are they called? And this conspirators, can't even remember their name, I'm trying to find it, Bernius and Torcho. Yeah, so. it's 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 just interesting. It was just interesting concept again, just comparing it to like Princess Bubblegum's kingdom of like, yeah, yeah, they are sentient, but they are created by Princess Bubblegum, and they are, in some sense, like the more she creates them, the not the dumber they get, but the more simplistic they get. And so I think that there's also like the people in the room just going, you, you, you. W, W, W. Like rock, paper, scissors, right? Is that what they I, were supposed to do? I just thought, it, I mean, it, it kind of made me think, like, what if Flame King, like, was trying to expand his kingdom so far? It's like he's spreading himself thin. And then he's like, oh, everybody's so evil. But it's like he spread himself so thin that these people are, they might be, like, 1% evil, but, like, they're sentient, and there's just not much else going on. Um, Interesting. It's a very, yeah. very small bit of his essence that's even operating within them. But... Well, I That's was just way overanalyzing too. this episode. I guess, yeah, it, it is. But I was curious too because the Flame King does say that everybody's evil. Like we're all evil as the mm-hmm. the Flame Kingdom. Is if everyone's evil, can you really trust anybody, or is it a sense of like everybody's united under some sort of a common mm-hmm. goal of evilness? Like we all are trying to do the same thing because of our evilness, our yeah, evil it, desires. Is everybody? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more just truly like, evil. If everybody's yeah, you're, evil, you're, you're right. It's more like it's open. Like Princess Bubblegum is secretly fascist, and like we're all con- we're all sweet, we're all content and sweet, and we know that's not the case because there's the the you know the ruffians at the at the bar down the road, and so I think on the flip side, it's kind of like Fire Kingdom going, we're we're all evil, aren't we? And everybody's like, yeah, we're so evil, and then there's like the little sweet gang of of people in the corner that the. Uh, mm going against the grain yeah. as being sweet. Well, they do make a great D&D reference in this episode when it comes to like their personalities and also their alignment. So they talk about Flame Princess potentially being evil at the end of the episode or well, being evil at the end of the episode. And Finn has this wonderful moment of being like, could a, a good guy like change her? Like, is that possible? And the Flame King says, there would be some penalties to her experience if she acted out of alignment which is so funny, but yes, someone could change her. So apparently she's evil. I don't personally at this moment see her as evil other than she has these moments of intense, mm-hmm. crazy rage. And mm-hmm. I could see that as evil-ish, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, it's it was shown in her first episode when she goes on the rampage. It's it's in her nature. Do you and think that she's, she's evil? She's Do you think she truly is evil? No, no, no. I mean, I think it's it's more of like the what you're inclined to be from, you know, I guess your upbringing. And we'll get into that in the second half of the episode a little bit with kind of fathers and families uh, is that that's everything she's known as being normal has been evil. Um, I yeah. just think in reference to your D&D reference, 
that Finn asks the Fire King about changing her, and he immediately goes to, what if she could just be chaotic neutral? Which I think is very interesting, though, for Finn, because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like, dude, he's like ultimate good, no mm, matter what, yeah. pure-hearted, in his bare minimum, again, I guess for dating somebody and or this, them being in his life and, and not being conflicted about it is chaotic neutral. Um, well, which I, like, guess that's I think what, he's willing to overlook. I think that's what I got from that is he's willing to overlook what he would have mm. previously probably said. I'm not willing to date someone who's neutral or chaotic neutral. Like that would have been a no, a red flag for him. But he's kind of like the same. Well, he's trying to, he's like, I can change her. It's that whole thing. I, I, I can change her. Like I can make her better. I can turn this person oh, into that, a religious that he person. She's starting out chaotic neutral and he can get. Oh, he thinks she's that. evil, but he's, well, he's one going like, hey, at least neutral would be good. Like neutral would be better than evil. That's fine. Yeah. Like I just like her too much. And then also he's saying I'm missionary dating. I'm trying to get her to become neutral, you know, and yeah. that's my whole goal. I can change her and that's unhealthy. That's not good. No, no. I mean, and that um, does show. I'm glad you're you're grabbing onto that right now. Because that is a huge, huge aspect of the next kind of parts of their relationship is their differences, the way they see the world, the way that they feel like they can change the world is actually a big, I mean, I'm going to spoil it right now, spoiler drop, they, they they do break up. Like, this is not going to obviously go on for nine more seasons, so. Oh, yeah, we got the Huntress Wizard coming at some point. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come, <laughs> God, on. come on. Come on. She's the babe, the ultimate babe. Ultimate babe. Well, but I know in my dating situation right now with Allie that we have both sought to change each other. I'm curious, you can be thinking about this as I'm talking. Did you ever have anything that you tried to change about Jackie or that she tried to change about you? So, and I'll mm. answer before you go too serious no, 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 or whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was, I asked Allie, I put her on the spot and I said, like, Allie, what is it that you wanted to change about me? Like when we started dating and the answer was fashion. The answer is she is secretly, and I I may come up with the answer, but she has secretly been like giving me gifts of like, oh, here's a nice jacket or here's, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like. Hey, that's, that's at least a good change at the end of the day. It like, is. It is a good change. And, and it has been a great is, change. <laughs> that is like her profession. So she is giving you like professional advice here. So. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. And then. And then we both looked at each other because we've recently started working out together, taking uh, exercise classes together. And she immediately was like, I, you tried to change me by making me, you know, work out. <laughs> and I was like, I, <laughs> I guess. I, unintentionally. Yeah, yeah. Again, so, yeah. again, that's a he healthy things. Healthy things that you're like, eh, it's not really what I'm into, but it's a healthy thing. Yeah. I'll get into that. But I, ooh, I think on my end, I think for Jackie when we first she she already liked it but i definitely pushed hard on getting her into like a little bit more hardcore music um mm -hmm. and it did work at one point because one of her favorite albums now is homesick by a day to remember it's still like okay. top to bottom one of her favorite albums of all time that's i'm very proud because that was kind of something we bonded over when we first started dating nice and her star wars i'm guessing yeah, I tried to get it. I mean, she now likes Star Wars. She's not like super <laughs> into it. So it's yeah. more of that's the I accept you as you are. And I appreciate her for <laughs> indulging me in it. Yeah. Um, and then her for me, man. I don't I don't know. Ooh. I would say Ooh. I would say maybe 
a bit more like I'm a, I'm a tidy person in terms of like, I do a really good job of like putting things away and being organized mm-hmm. and having a place for everything. I'm not good at like daily cleanliness in terms of okay. like vacuum. Like, it doesn't bother me that the bed's not made and there's dust bunnies in the corner and I've got beard hairs in the sink. So I think through like almost five years of marriage, that's one thing she's pushed on me. And that has changed me a little bit to where it's like, okay, we do need to like sweep today. It's, yeah, you know. it takes both kinds. It really does. And I don't think if you were both a little, you know, anal about your areas, that doesn't always mesh well, or at least with roommates. I don't know about dating situations. This is hey, the first man, time I've lived with someone I've dated. So. We've been married for almost five years. And so whatever we're doing, it's, it's working out to be so working. far. Yeah. Well, heck yeah, man. Let's go to the commercial and we'll come back and we'll dive deeper into this Adventure Time episode. Yes. Lend thine ears, fair folk, forsooth. A wondrous marvel befallen our realm henceforth. Behold the fireproof blueberries, a rare treasure, an enchantment that doth set thy taste buds aflame with care. Gone are the days of yore when flames did scorch and sear. No longer shall our sweet berries succumb to thy fiery fear. O thou great and mighty Shakespearean spark, forsooth these berries withstand flames that do embark. Imagine, dear friends, a fierce blaze in its fury, yet our blueberries steadfast showeth not a worry. O fire with thy fierce and fierceful desires, these blue gems shall withstand thy wrath like steadfast fires. Should ye desire a feast amidst its fire's domain, gather round, gather round, let these berries entertain. A bountiful harvest of nature's own gift, these blueberries immune to flame's devouring rift. So revel in its whimsy, let laughter abound. Thou fireproof blueberries, alas, may not be found. Remember, dear friends, life's greatest treasure lies in the beauty of words, both true and fantastical beyond measure. To continue the podcast or not to continue the podcast, Ned, that is truly the question that we must answer as we continue the podcast. I think we shall continue the podcast. What do you think? I think about we shall. That? I think we shall, especially after we've given so many Shakespearean references and we haven't even discussed it yet. So. Talked about him on all. What is your like? What is your background or what is your history with Shakespeare? It is. I just I took two AP classes in high school. And one was AP, um, God, what was it? Fucking AP literature. And Mm -hmm. it was like, had some, I think one Shakespeare, I think we did a Hamlet whole thing, but it was just at the time in high school when it was just like, I've got my grades locked in. (laughs) I don't care. I think I spark notes the whole thing. I, I can't really read Shakespearean sonnets and like fully understand them. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Is that like I, I haven't tried. I, I honestly yeah. have not tried. When I was in fifth grade, I tripped my way into or slipped my way into the gifted program somehow about halfway through the year. So they had already done all the like intense learning that they were gonna do, and all that was left was Midsummer Night's Dream, the play. Mm. And so I was like, okay, sweet. I've never been in a play before. This would be a great experience. So, I, but I don't want to have a lot of lines because I'm a little nervous about this. So I skimmed through the first half of the play and somehow I ended up with, a. I chose a character that had like two lines in the first half of the play 
ended up being a very important character in the second half of the play and had a lot of lines. So that was a not the best experience uh, starting out necessarily. But then recently I went and saw Drunk Shakespeare and that was I hilarious. Like, I do. I went to one at Little Harpeth in Nashville and it was oh, yeah, fantastic. Same here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but did we go to the same one? No, we didn't go the same night, I don't think. Did we? We I might know. have. <laughs> we probably maybe, did, honestly. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. But maybe it was. Yeah, I, I feel like the crazy part about the Shakespearean stuff, and again, why it's, it's you know, almost 600 years later, and, you know, it's still part of what we put into shows and dramas and, and movies and everything, is that he creates the situations and the situations and the complexities of the stories like this episode of adventure time with the uncle that was dead and the cousins that want to kill the king and it's conspiracies and plots that he creates wonderful stories this though i you know i don't know if that's how people in that day talked and they just totally picked up on it and were like yeah that makes total sense i understood yeah. your weird tongue-in-cheek statement about your uncle that is supposed to be a huge plot point that totally went over my head. Um, just, mm. yeah, it's, it's just old speak and I'm, I'm it's not well versed like, in literature like that. It's almost like they, he wanted people to go see the play multiple times. You know, it's yeah. a form of entertainment. Oh, we're going out. We're going to see, I, and I don't know. I, the most I've, I've gone to the globe theater in England or, or wherever it is mm-hmm. um, near London. And it is a remake. I'm pretty sure it's not even in, in the original location, but it was it's really cool. It felt, yeah. It felt really magical in a way. It really did. It, it felt cool. like, Holy crap. This, this is a part of history. Even if it's not the original thing, it felt yeah. like what an incredible experience it might've been to, to be there. If you were, wealthy and you weren't in the pits and stuff <laughs> you know so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless I, I i find it very fascinating i after this i do actually have some desire to dive a little deeper past you know in fifth grade or middle school watching romeo and juliet while in english class because the teacher didn't want to actually teach that day or something i i wouldn't mind going a little bit deeper mm-hmm. into something but hamlet for me, is not one I was very familiar with. So did I spark note it? No, I, I looked up a video on YouTube to try me and understand what it's too. about. So here's my understanding, and this could be a total bastardization of, of what it actually is. It's not even, it's a play written by Shakespeare, but it's based off of a story written by someone else, which I thought that was fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah. Plagiarism in the 1500s, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, inspired by or whatever, or taking a story and, and putting it into a different medium. Uh, but there is no copyright back then, so who cared? Um, and maybe there was, I don't know. But anyway, so it's like the Prince of Denmark, who is Hamlet, tries to avenge his father, father's murder. Uh, no, words. Tries to, de- tries to avenge his father's murder <laughs> uh, after his father's ghost revealed to him that it was his brother or uh, Hamlet's uncle, Claudius, who had killed him by pouring poison into his ear, uh, as is tradition, of course. Uh, Queen Gertrude, who is Hamlet's mother, married his uncle, who is now the king, Claudius. Um, and then this other dude, uh, Plonius, who I believe is Claudius's, like, I don't know, number one guy or something. He's like a, a buddy mm-hmm. of Claudius. The right hand, right, right hand man to the king. Right hand man, yeah. He hides behind a whole bunch of tapestries and eventually gets murdered by Hamlet because he's hiding behind a tapestry. So that's fun, as is tradition, as you do in Shakespeare times. 
Yes. And so Hamlet writes a play based off of the murder, which is where we have this connection, this parallel with uh, the episode that we're talking about today, where he writes a play about the murder of his father to see if Claudius appears guilty. Like if he shows like, you know. Yeah, if he shows remember, like shock, and val- shock value in his face when exactly, he's doing yeah. a play about murdering his and father. And Claudius ends up storming out, which uh, is a great sign that yes, he mm-hmm. did it. And then it's, he, for whatever reason, sends Hamlet on a quest to England with some fake friends of his who Hamlet later gets killed by England, or, or sorry, he kills them by finding a note that says that they were going to have the king of England kill Hamlet, but instead Hamlet flips it on them. So they die. So Hamlet's out here just murdering everybody, which is fun. Yeah. And then Hamlet's chilling. Afterwards, he comes back. He's just hanging out in a graveyard, and he stumbles upon the funeral of his best girl, which he left at home. Uh, he truly, he ghosted her. Well, I guess she kind of ghosted him in a way. No, I I do know in that part of the story, it was like she was sent in to try to romance Hamlet away from being inspired mm-hmm. to dive in deeper to the death of his father and distract him. And he was so hyper-focused on the death of his father in revenge that he totally ignored the whims of yeah, the girl yeah. that she, loved him. She drowns herself because she's uh, like sad about him not you know, also having feelings yeah. for her, though he does have feelings for her. Regardless, it's crazy that it was her funeral that he stumbled upon. Then Laertes, the son of Pl- uh, Polonius, the dude behind the tapestries, duels Hamilton with a poisonous sword and a cup of poison uh, meant for Hamilton. Or, Hamilton, Hamlet, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the father that. of democracy. The father of democracy. Hamlet's mom drinks the cup. Uh, she dies. The poisonous sword takes out Hamlet, his uncle, and... Laertes, and then some dude named Fortinbras from Norway, who just is like happening to go through because he wants to take over some little place in Port, uh, in not Portland, in Poland. He ends up becoming the king of Denmark uh, post all the murders. So that's fun. It's it seems like a a very interesting story that I think anyone else who listens to this podcast probably knows way better than I do. But that's my yes. understanding <laughs> of what happen, happens in Hamlet. <laughs> yes, that, 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 was a, that was a very good synopsis, by the way, just I in terms know, of all man. that. Yeah. No, in terms well, of this, in terms of a YouTube video, <laughs> a three minute, you, a, a spark notes of a spark notes, if you will, yeah. uh, for the young viewers who don't know what spark notes is. It's how we all graduated high school. Mm-hmm. So, and the, the lesson I learned from, from Hamlet is don't hide behind tapestries because you're going to get stabbed. <laughs> Because you're gonna um, get stabbed. You're gonna get as stabbed, we, but this is a little. This is a little different, right? This isn't necessarily the death hasn't happened yet. It's the conspirators uh, in this episode are off to Furnius and Torcho or trying to kill the Flame King who had already killed their father. And the way that they're gonna do it, as Claudius killed his brother through. Uh, poison in his ear. They're like, we're going to put ice into his ear and mm-hmm. that's going to be more painful than water. And they also have another parallel, but not exactly the same thing is Finn and Jake are putting on the play in order to have the conspirators be shown to be um, uh, guilty or whatever, yeah. or plotting uh, versus Claudius who had done the murder being guilty and yeah which is uh, well which is like to my backup my backup tops of the episode is jake when he's like hey we can put on a fake play and see who looks guilty yeah 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 Mm -hmm. that's that's totally my idea totally Totally an original 
Yeah, totally an original yeah. plan. In, <laughs> in my opinion, I bet Jake read Hamlet in the library on one of those days and saw that and was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to steal this idea. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That's interesting. I love the fact that Shakespeare is in, in The Land of Vu is in Adventure Time. Yeah. I mean, I see we've seen the writers do so much pulling from pop culture, from Dungeons and Dragons, from other shows, from everything that like, why not take something where it's a little bit more, am I going to misquote a the like a theocratic society or, a, you know, the Flame Kingdom seems a little bit more of the monarchial society. I'm the king and you are the people and we have the gods. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit more like, you know, what a, what a monarchy would be. So having kind of Hamlet themes amongst the fire kingdom episode is, is appropriate in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I like it a lot. I thought it was a good episode. I didn't necessarily think this was my favorite episode of the season by any means. No, it's, no. I wouldn't even call it a great episode, but there are a lot of things I liked about it. I, I felt like the strongest part of this, and, and once I knew of the story of Hamlet a little bit better, once I understood and saw all those parallels, I enjoyed this a whole lot more than mm -hmm. I did through my initial well, I'm glad, watch through. I'm glad you told me to, you know, you pulled that out first and you texted me and said, do your research on Hamlet. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, pulled straight from Hamlet. And I that's just what's happening. Yeah. hadn't thought about Hamlet since I was in 11th grade. So <laughs> I was like, yeah. I probably wouldn't have pulled that out on my own. Well, it's that. And also there are so many good little moments of this while they're just going through the flame kingdom that stick out to me as like, well, you started out with a great one when they're hanging out in the field. And then you have several random goofy characters, like three guards that walk backwards that are going through the hallway that are just wanting to eat some snacks. You got a guy who's eating a cake and measuring it after every bite. And he's like, justifying, oh, I can have another piece. Oh, I can have another piece. That's great. Can That's I, me. Can I, I take that. a moment and say he was my lovely of the episode? He was your too. lovely? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you he can. was absolutely my lovely of the episode. <laughs> I think that hmm. that's a fantastic way to spend your free time is I think learning it is how to too. eat cake. Um, that's how I, that's exactly how I do my desserts. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, I can have a little bit more, like there's still enough for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, or you have one small piece of pie and you're like, man, if my first bite was this big and you know, you're enjoying, you're like, man, I can get like, like 30 bites out of this. And then I got a whole, oh, yeah. I got a whole freaking, you know, 30 bite dessert here. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, my, my lovely of this episode is the fire actor that Finn and Jay come across in the changing room. Uh, and Finn goes up to him and he's just like, hey, what's up with the costumes? And then in a very Shakespearean <laughs> flair, the dude's like, oh, this is a theater, this is a theater troupe. We're getting ready to perform, a, or perform for the king and everybody in the kingdom shall be in attendance. Of course, you all know this, being fellow actors from the exact same troupe. <laughs> like, he's just like... It's yeah, all theater. It's hundred uh, percent of his life is theater. It's I'm, just monologuing. Well, man, <laughs> I was going to ask you because this is just, guys, if you're sticking with us through 108 episodes by this point, like our tangents are the best part. Russell, what is, what is your relationship with the theater? And obviously you said you never got into Shakespeare, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it reminds you of the theater kids and I'm not ripping on theater kids. I like, it is awesome. I wish I had done several of them. But from high school specifically, that's probably the last time it really ever touched my life. Like, mm -hmm. do you have this, the general like assumption of like kind of the, the person that's like just like your lovely theater kid? That's, well, that's going to be like, I'm going to over describe to you everything that you already know. Yeah, I think I could 
describe exactly what I think a theater kid is, and I don't think it's going to offend anybody. So you know in this episode when Finn and Jake use their spy moves to take some costumes from the two performers, mm-hmm. and then you have the the hissing cook, who says, my bluebies, that guy goes to try and finds them and it comes upon a closet and then you have these two actors that just got their their wardrobe stolen <laughs> from them and, and they're, they're just like all sandwiches together they're lady and tramping a sandwich in the closet and all all the dude all the the cook can say is actors that's that's what i'm talking about like not to yuck any yums but all i've ever seen not no sarcasm at all this is definitely not sarcasm is theater kids just sucking on sandwiches. It's true. Everywhere it's you true, go. Man. Yeah. I had one of my best friends was dating a girl that was that was her thing in high school. And she was one of my good friends too. But man, I would hear stories of the like post-show final night parties. And mm. I went to a private school. So it wasn't it like they weren't like cocaine ragers or a anything. A pretty like small that. private school too. Yeah. But that was definitely like the the last night of the show. The whole they do their cast party, and that was for sure the party where all this whatever sexual tension was going on for that last four months just got ultimately released (laughs) during that party. From what I heard, that's like that. That's interesting. I definitely heard that the the theater kids party. That's the only thing that I really can remember as far as my perception because I was just buddies with like a whole bunch of random people. I went to a very big high school. Um, especially comparatively to what you went to. And so I I had buddies in all sectors of um the, of the know, high school, yeah, the the ecoverse or whatever the, the ecoverse ecosystem of of uh high school popularity, right? So I, I didn't really have any negative uh thoughts or connotations about the the theater kids. And in fact, looking back on it, I wish I had tried Maybe if I had had a better experience that first time when I did Midsummer Night's Dream as a fifth, fifth grader, if that had played out better, maybe in another world, I would have tried out for more, like tried out for plays in middle mm-hmm. school and, and seen if I had some chops in that. Because I always thought would, that would be so fun to act and to have roles in like, like I remember in college, I went and saw Sweeney Todd and it blew me away. And I was like, Sweeney Todd's the best I, one, man. Dude, I could have been doing stuff like that. That's cool. So I don't know. I th- I think I regret not doing that a little bit more. I think I regret not getting into like band as well and learning about percussion or learning about a melodic instrument like uh, saxophone. You know, so there are that world has always been interesting to me. I wish I had mm-hmm. dove deeper into it. Yeah, I mean, as an adult, I think it's definitely. I mean, we're we're talking about Shakespearean aspects that bored us to death in high school. We're talking about plays and the depths of them and whatever. And it's just like that was that was everybody's form of extracurricular activity, which is a by proxy form of escapism. Let me go and do this thing for a few hours a day where I'm just totally involved in it and totally escaped from everything. And that's I would say that as an adult, like being like, let me go spend three hours a day like learning lines and and acting. That sounds fun. That sounds like a blast. And Mm-hmm. You know, not saying not that it was always during baseball season, but not ripping on. I would have quit baseball to do that. But um, yeah, absolutely. If there had been the play, if there was a Sweeney Todd now that I could go do, I just don't think I'm got the the chops or the, the balls chops, to yeah. go do adult. But theater there now. are there are classes you can take, and there are ways. You know, and I was thinking about this. There are ways that you can get into 
those, the arts as an adult, even not as a professional, just as someone who recreationally wants to do it, wants to try it, wants to put on a very small play with other people. Like I'm sure any local uh, theater or any local area, town, city that you live in has groups that do that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. And also, I just would encourage anyone that is young that is listening to this podcast for whatever reason and loves that sort of a thing. And even though it may not be the coolest thing in your high school or whatever, or if it is, I mean, that's amazing. But like, keep going, like pursue those weird passions, pursue the things that like might not be the coolest thing, but you're passionate about it and you're good at it. Because that's going to pay off and those other kids are not going to be around you for much yeah. longer. So don't Dude, worry about I it. I had a girl, I mean, like I said, I went to a school of 120 high schoolers total. And one girl that was kind of cheerleader through middle school and maybe freshman year, her passion became theater. She did. She started doing the practices and then she became, um, I think it was like the world tour for the Disney Beauty and the Beast musical. Like she oh, worked wow. for Disney and she was like the bell for Disney's Beauty and the Beast, like Broadway tour, yeah. like on the road for a while, um, which is wow. insane. So that's like, that was one of those things where I just saw somebody that just like took it with talent and worked at it. It was awesome. So, yeah. I mean, dude, the really kids cool. that, that did that sort of a thing in high school and, and did it like hardcore and were really good at it or had visions for like writing and for creating film and that sort of a thing and pursued those passions that weren't necessary. They weren't football or they weren't, you know, whatever. Um, those kids nowadays are doing really awesome jobs and are, are working in industries and, and on sides of the film industry or whatever. I followed them on Facebook. I'm like, man, like they pursued their thing and they're doing it in a, an amazing way now. And they're not just you know, behind a desk like I am every day. Like, no, shut that's, your mouth. that's incredible. Well, you know, you're, what behind, I'm the, you're, you're behind a desk in Nashville uh, working I'm doing for, cool stuff, but yeah, yeah, for a the big Red company that peppers. always. <laughs> now I see your company pop up once every six months in the news for doing not my big company, moves anyway, the company so. I work for. Yeah, yeah. No, Russell's but, company he owns, you know. That, that I own. No, it is cool. It is cool what I do. Don't get me wrong. And I did pursue a passion, which is music, but, but I, the people that pursue creative passions and that are doing it successfully because of all the time that they put into it, I am envious of in the sense that I couldn't be happier for them. I think that's awesome. No, it's, and it's, well, it's what we support. It's what, we, it's what we're supporting. I mean, we're out here. This, was, this is our creative outlet. This is what we're supporting. Again, yeah, for everybody who else no does podcasts, who does creative outlets to get passionate about it and to do, I don't know, just, just the outlet. Again, that escapism. For me, it's just, it's fun to get in here every week and talk about something that's not real life yeah. and closing business deals or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a blast. Make but it, closing I have, deals, I'm, making money. Closing deals, man. Snapping necks, <laughs> cashing checks. Yeah, right about what I do. Man, yeah. I, well, I have one more kind of arcing theme for the episode and then we'll wrap okay. things up because I know you guys might be getting exhausted with our tangents over here. Yeah, but, a lot of tangents today, but it is what it is. I wanted to take a moment because I think the big part of this episode that's maybe a little bit layered deeper, it could be obvious to to some people if it's what the screaming uh, thing is going on in your life right now is is the father figure mentality. That the Flame King, we haven't really seen him and in his interaction with Flame Princess since she left, honestly. And we get to know a little bit more about him. He's killed his brother. He runs an evil kingdom. He's totally the king 
sitting in the high box. No one can kill me. I'm invincible. And still, you see Flame Princess like thriving. Uh, she escapes. She realizes that there's more out there for her, that she's independent. And it's just, it's Adventure Time's like such delicate and uh, intentional look at family structure and how we all are and how, where we all come from. Um, that it's really, this is still an important episode in the dynamic of this is the third father we have seen in Adventure Time at all. Mm. Uh, we've seen Joshua, we've seen Hudson, and we've seen uh, the Flame King. And yeah. in each of those, we see Joshua as being the most ideal, but with his flaws, <laughs> Colin Finn the baby. <laughs> We've seen Hudson being very, very similar to the Flame King of, I've built my legacy. This is everything that I've built and I love it. And don't you love it? It's the family business. Hudson's is very um, business oriented per se, because he's like kind of a sleazy businessman. I would almost call him chaotic neutral, if not just kind of chaotic evil. But the Flame King's just like openly like, I'm evil, I hate everyone. And I want my daughter to pursue that same thing, to pursue in exactly what I've built for our family. To the extent of she's run away, she's left him. She doesn't even want to go back home to pick up some candles to the extent mm -hmm. that she's left him. And that he still doesn't see past that. And he's still sneaking into her <laughs> dreams via candles yeah like evil, 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 evil. Yeah. um and it's it's just kind of a really interesting they they are throwing it in the background now to lead up to when it's really like finn and his dad at one point in time and it, it just keeps going as a common theme in the show so to to pause and just think about the implications of i mean if you're a dad listening to this show like I'm probably going to be guilty of it myself one day of like pushing what I've done and, and the passions I've pursued and the way I've lived my life. It's worked for me. It should work for you. And pushing that on your kids is that like, you got to step back and see like what's best for your kid. Um, or when they're, or when they're pushing back on you, um, being yeah. like, this is not the way to love me, dad, you know? So hmm. I don't know. It's just a very, it's a thought-provoking aspect of this episode. Yeah. So thank you for my my long-winded uh, TED Talk there. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious why he would even want her to be evil. If she wasn't evil, if she would never want to take over, he can rule forever. What's more evil than wanting to rule forever? I don't know. Anyways, so I think that's great, Ned. I think that's a, a good point. We'll, we'll keep our eye on, on the father figures as we continue. Yeah. I'm very curious about Jake now that we know that he's puppies. To see mm -hmm. how he is with his braggers oh. when he when he has them, yeah. Um, and th th that's why I was like, <laughs> take every well, the, take the father figures now and his relationship with Joshua. And once we do the whole his his first episode with his babies is hilarious, and I love it. And then it plays into so much. He has a son named Kim Kilwan that they have a beautiful episode together about very much the relationship of father and sons in adult lives, and so. Just take that now. If you're watching the show for the first time, like Russell, like absorb that because those episodes will hit so much harder down the road. Yeah, cool. Well, dude, what's your lesson? Let's get to wrapping this up. Ooh, I've only got two today. I'm trying to keep it, try to keep it simple and sweet. Um, first lesson is I learned that all balloons are filled with farts. It's true. And it's true. That's, that's what farts. I'm taking away from this episode. 
Um, I fill them second, all, Ned. <laughs> he fills them all with his gas. With my, with my farts. Oh, man. Man, my, my wife's got some, some oh, wicked my farts. Gosh. Ned, continue, dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> she's filling she's filling our, our house going to float off the ground soon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> she's What's not going to you this fool? far. Um, where you from? Where you come from does not dictate who you have to be. That's my. That's why yeah. I really wanted to talk about the father <laughs> figure. It's just because that's what I took out of this one. Is uh, if anything to to where does this fit in the Adventure Time universe? It's yeah. It's, this is what the Fire Kingdom is all about, and FP is not all about that, man. Yeah. Well, man, my lesson for this episode: all characters with the ability to use fire or that are made up of fire are evil, though they can be changed by a good guy. Uh, that just might have some penalties to their experience. That's what I've learned. Okay. Even yeah. Flambeau? What's your uh, even Flambeau. Flambeau. I can change him. A good guy. Am I a good guy? <laughs> I don't know. Red is evil, Ned, and, and blue is, Red is good. Evil. Yeah. Uh, man, all right. Well, you you were hyping up to me before this. You have you have a good wreck this week. I, I couldn't figure out Ooh, what it is. What's I, your wreck? Oh my, are you sure you're ready for it? I don't know. Are you going to laugh at me? I don't know. Is it is it a video game? Is it a cocktail that you made? No, it's a TV show. Been jamming. Yeah. I mean, we've been jamming on this for the last one piece three weeks. Dawson's Creek. Ah, oh. it is. It, it is, in my opinion, the worst written show of all time. That is has the prime time acting. Like the acting is so good that it keeps you looped in, but the writing. Is so bad. Wow. Okay. It is. It, but it is so entertaining, and I absolutely love Dawson's Creek. So it is a. Wow. And, and okay. it just And it takes. You, it is full on nineties, like references, clothes, music, it is. movies. It's is so nineties, and it's, it's yeah. Just a Allie good had time. me watching it a little bit um, during the pandemic. I've I've seen a fair number of episodes. She finished it. I have not. I didn't, I never got into it. I was curious about some relationships, but I never got into it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a soap opera. It's, it was the original teen soap opera, the CW, like the secret life of the American teenager. This was like ground zero for that. And it shows, which is really fun. (laughs) What's your rec? Man, my rec, I am really excited about this rec. And I think it's going to go over a lot of people's heads and a lot of people are going to go, that's stupid. I'm not going to jet that out. I couldn't encourage you more. And maybe I'll start with what I think Ned might like about this. Okay. So I've recently, and for a while now, because of anime and, and my love of all things like Japanese culture, whatever, I've gotten pretty deep into different types of Japanese music. So I started out, of course, with okay. J-Rock, and mostly this is J-Rock. But I've recently gotten really deep into, and I've gone through three different albums, like active listening to, um, where is his name? I have a list of things. Of course, I didn't write his name down. He's part of Yellow Magic Orchestra, which is a great one for you, Ned. But it's uh, Misayoshi or Masayoshi Takanak. Takanaka. Anyways, I'll send it to you. It's it's amazing. He has a couple of albums, and the one I would recommend personally is called The Rainbow Goblins, and it's on YouTube. That's how you listen to it. It's an instrumental, just like incredible guitar instrumental album. It's super funky and like electric this, guitar, like electric guitar, electric instruments, and you have this like crazy children's book called The Rainbow Goblins that is 
occasionally the words on the album are like spoken word or someone telling the story of the rainbow, rainbow goblins. They went down there into the valley and this happened. And then all of a sudden the voice gets mixed into the guitar riffs and stuff. And it is so sick and so good. Uh, I think it's Misa Yoshi Takanaka. But anyways, it's just, my rec is just Japanese music in general. I got really deep into Japanese city pop recently. If you're looking for something just amazing to just like work to or riff to, that's not going to distract you because you can't understand the words if you can't speak Japanese. Just YouTube Japanese city pop playlist and it'll blow your mind. Uh, a great recommendation for that genre that I would recommend is Fly Day Chinatown or Friday Chinatown, but I think it's spelled out for whatever reason because of translation. Fly Day Chinatown. Uh, the artist is um, Miki Matsubara, and I'm probably just killing all of this. Another great city pop artist is Teoko uh, Onuki. And then if you're getting into Japanese rock music, Asian Kung Fu Generation, they do like basically all of the intros to animes that we love. Ned, for you, for electronic stuff, because I know you like electronic music, Yellow Magic Orchestra is the one I would recommend. It is, I could give you an album. Dude, Yellow Magic Orchestra is legit. They're awesome. I like the one. It's an American release. It's, or the American release artwork is this girl whose head is kind of, uh, exploding or going in different branches. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, I, I see it right here on the just dude. just did my young Google's dude in 1978, old school yeah. too. Yeah, oh dude, it's like there there are three songs on that album that are just incredible, and the intro and interlude songs on that album are like old eight bit sounding like video game sounds <laughs> that they remix. Yeah. It's no because I mean that was that was the if if they're part of that like OG um what was it uh Giorgio the murder, the murderer, whatever. That was like one of the founders of electronic music. And that was that whole, I mean, that was the time span when it's it was happening. Yeah. When it was, when it was everybody getting into and everything that was like, let's, let's put an electric wire on this computer and see what sound gets put out and then put that up to a microphone. Yeah. Like that's kind of the And crazy if electronic music wasn't happening around you, you had to just stumble upon it by somebody who was talking, who had, a, who had an album, a vinyl with them. Like the radio wasn't playing that certainly in Japan, right? So they, these guys and some of the other people in Japan that started getting deeper into it and being influenced by what was happening in the States or wherever electronic music was coming out of, because I know, uh, you know, some of it was France with um, Daft Punk, but that's later on yeah. in like the no, late that, 90s. That was, yeah, I said late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. At the Regardless, yeah. Yellow Magic Orchestra, Freaking awesome. Kanaboon, if you're getting into Japanese rock music, uh, Kanaboon is one of my favorites. The Pillows are one of my favorites because of uh, Fully Cooley. And then uh, someone who was in Yellow Magic Orchestra is Haruhomi uh, Hasano, which has Hasano House is like his big album that people recognize and it helped inspire one of the more recent Harry Styles albums. So mm. I, yeah, couldn't recommend Their it enough. Their style... Just by looking at Google Images, their style is very Harry Styles now. Anyway, oh really? Well, oh yeah, it's cool, man. It, it's some some pretty wicked stuff, and I'd be happy to talk to anybody about it. Or if anyone has recommendations, <laughs> let me know, um, and we can talk about that offline, off the podcast, because I'm sure y'all are sick of hearing about it. So, anyways, thank you so much for joining us, for being a part of the podcast, and just hanging out with us for another week. Uh, yeah, man, it's been it's been great. I've been really enjoying this episode diving into it a couple of times this week and i hope you do as well ignition point it's season 
for episode 22. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at Never Ending Adventure Podcast, TikTok at Never Ending Adventure Cast, Twitter at NEA underscore podcast. Email us your thoughts, your opinions. Get on the Traveler's Log at nea.travelerslog at gmail.com. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We are, you know, doing a lot of shorts there, but then we're also posting the podcast episodes there if that's a better way for you to listen. And we're almost, we're like creeping up on a thousand subscribers on YouTube, which I think could be a really cool jumping point for maybe I condense some of these podcast episodes and create short form, I mean, like video essays right. out it's of gonna them. It's going to be a jumping point if TikTok ever gets banned, which it oh, did in Montana. for sure. But... <laughs> but also, when you subscribe to a short, it's crazy, man. You sub- when you subscribe to a short on YouTube, it's on Twister, it also subscribes to their main channel, which makes you automatically get any notifications for episodes. So we've like, you know, we have episodes on there that have like 400 downloads just from just a podcast sitting on YouTube, which is weird to me. So regardless, thank y'all so much. Thanks for hanging out for another week. We'll be back next week with another episode. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. It's going to, as it always is, it's real nice and fun. We talk for an hour and four minutes, mostly on tangents and mostly on Adventure Time. Yeah, we stumbled through some tangents on this episode, but hey, you know, it's what we do. Well, I've been Russell. Party forever. No, I'm being Ned. I love you guys. Bye.